Welcome everybody, this is Mind the Shift and I am Anders Bolling. Today my guest is my dear friend and podcast colleague, Jamie Onofre. Is that the right way to pronounce your second name there, Ab your last name? Absolutely, well done. I'm really happy to have you here. I know you've been very busy, so welcome Jamie. Thank you so much, Anders. It's good to be here. And you know, I know some parts of your life, I know a bit about you, but not that much. So you will have to fill, fill in the gaps here, but I know you're, uh, you've, you've been to film school, you're a film industry worker and you're in conscious media, what you call conscious media. You're a podcaster and a spiritual entrepreneur, a connoisseur of consciousness, as you call it yourself and a near-death experiencer. Those are some really interesting title to, titles there. <laughs> and let me start off with a, a question, a very concrete question. You just recently went to a, um, a ayahuasca, an, an ayahuasca retreat. That sounds really intriguing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How was that? Are you still in that mode, so to speak? Well, like anything in life, Anders, um, you know, each journey is different. Each experience is different. And I had the call from a dear friend and shaman who, when he says, you know, come and the call is there that I go. Um, it's a deep honor and a deep privilege to be invited to these sacred ceremonies that are very small and very intimate and that are designed around really just going home, remembering who we are, remembering our connection to our source power, but also um, excavating messages and going through the journey of tapping into, you know, what's hiding in some of our subterranean depths that needs to be brought forward into our, our consciousness so that we can actually pull those weeds and become more of who we are. So become more holistic in our expression in the world. And so it's a deep inner journey and, and I'm definitely still vibrating in that inner journey, um, feeling quite quiet, which many who know me know that's, you know, that's a state that I get into um, frequently, but I also love to talk and connect. But right now there's a groundedness to my being, a clarity, um, I, there's an integration and a coherence that happens with this medicine. It's a very powerful medicine. I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of it, um, but a lot of people don't experience it. And it's, a, it's an ancient intelligent plant medicine. It's a combination of, of actually a root. And um, it, 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 I think probably the best way to explain ayahuasca is that the intelligent of, intelligence of the plant kingdom came forward and downloaded and offered up this unique combination of plants and roots to be able to create a medicine that is a portal to access the consciousness. Mm -hmm. And Grandmother Aya, as she's referred to, um, is very adaptogenic. So she's going to go to the levels of being or the parts of the body that need to um, open the channels that need to be cleared. And so you really need to surrender to the process. <laughs> which for humans can be a very difficult thing to do sometimes. And there's a lot of, you know, the unknown and going into the unknown. And this is really for those of us that are connoisseurs of consciousness, as you referred yeah. to it, you know, this is, this is letting go of the sides and being willing to, 
you know, car- carry through the current of, of a journey mm. into an exploration of who we really are and to receive the messages that can help us tap into our birthrights. So it's a very, very powerful medicine. Yeah. So if you don't open up, if you don't let go, if you don't open up to those, to what this, uh, like you say, Mother Ayahuasca, Mother Aya, or this uh, intelligence of the plant can, can do with you, can, where it can take you, if you don't do that, what what can happen? Can it be a, a, a terrifying experience in that in that case, or is it? Well, it really amplifies what's living inside of us already. You so know, if you're afraid, an, you get more afraid. It shows you what is hiding and needs to be revealed. It's very difficult to put it into words. I mean, it's it's almost profane to put the experience into words. First of all, because it's very personal and individualistic. Um, For example, my very first time doing it was very sweet, very gentle. You know, grandmother Aya was very caring and very, Mm. you know, she held me and she allowed me to open up and to flower and to blossom. Um, And I felt very safe. I felt very held. And so a lot of people, they do have a, have an experience that, you know, is gentle. And, and if you have a good shaman who is giving you the proper dose of the medicine and really knows how to create the space, because it's also the space and the container, you know, we need to feel safe within the container that we're experiencing this in and the people that we're with. Mm. And so I often, when people talk to me about, I often encourage them, you know, you don't want to just go and do this with anyone anywhere, anytime, you know, it requires preparation with diet, um, you know, no smoking of marijuana, um, no drinking alcohol, staying away from red meat. You know, you really have to, to prep the terrain so that when you take in the medicine, the medicine isn't running into a lot of um, blockages or toxins because the medicine will purge. The medicine Mm. will want to move those things Mm. out of your system to get to the core of your being, which is like uh, Hara. The hara is the core of the being about two or so inches below the belly button. And it really goes straight to that, that aspect of being. And if you've got a lot of gunk in the way, <laughs> whether that be in the form of emotional toxins or physical toxins or mental toxins, yeah. then before the medicine can go to work at a deep level, those things need to be purged. And that's what can be um, difficult for people. That can be a difficult process. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard a lot about the purging part and people t- talk about them th- throwing up a lot when they take this for the first time <laughs> and all that. But it's 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 part of the process. And then afterwards, they feel lighter and they feel, uh, yeah, and they can experience all sorts, sorts of things. And it's, it's, a, it's a tool, you know, like right, many yeah. things. So so one of the things that because we're, we're really getting to know each other. And um, so you, you might not know some of these things about my life, but I, I did a 41 day fast in the desert. So no food 41? for 40 days. And uh, yeah, like and, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, actually, um, that's where the inspiration came from. And there's a bit of a funny story behind that. Um, I, I was reading a book by Gabriel Cousins um, called Spiritual Nutrition. And he kind of wrote the Bible on vegetarian eating called Conscious Eating. Mm. And so I was studying his work at the time because I had, um, I had died twice and as a result, really struggled with my health, really struggled, um, you know, physically and mentally developed all sorts of issues from, from these two near death experiences that really altered my consciousness, having a near death experience, but also really challenged me to, I lost my health. 
So I had to go on a health journey to regain my health. And so I went to the doctor at one point and the doctor said, we don't know what's wrong with you. We've done a barium scan. We've done everything. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, and of course I knew that wasn't true because I wasn't, I wasn't able to digest. I wasn't able to eat properly. I was sleeping 18 hours a day. I couldn't think properly. I had terrible mental fog. Um, I, I was really a shadow of my former self, which was a, an athlete, professional athlete and very vital, vibrant human. So I knew that something was wrong because the contrast was stark. And so after I was told by this doctor that it was in my head, I realized, okay, nobody is going to do this for me. I am going to have to, you know, take this journey and reclaim my health and figure it out for myself. And so it was a really powerful process, the, the learning, the reading, the finding, the mentors, you know, starting to really listen to my intuition about what was needed, you know, what to take into my body, what not to take into my body, because there's always a new fad. You know, some people say that only eat meat, this is the way to go. And other people mm. say only eat vegetables, this is the mm. only way to go. Or, you know, there's so many things we could subscribe to, and it can be very, very confusing. And so um, Gabriel Cousins had his thing, but it was spiritual nutrition, which basically means that we gain energy from so many things other than food. Yeah. And because we're so enculturated to believe that food is our primary source of energy, you know, we become very addicted to food and develop very negative patterns associated with how we eat. And it becomes very emotional for many, many people. And our culture does not support us to really have a good relationship with food. And we end up actually having uh, an energy loss rather than an energy gain from food. There's very few foods and combinations of foods that give us energy. And most people aren't aware of how to eat in a way that gives them energy. So they feel tired from food. Um, yeah. They're also not able to digest and assimilate the food. And because I was having difficulty digesting, I really resonated with this. I thought, wow. So if I can get my energy from the sun, from sun gazing and from the land, from earthing and from the ocean, from taking in the minerals from the salt water and from breath, from prana, from the life force. Mm -hmm. And there's all of these other things that are available to me. Um, I became a, I've always been a seeker since I was a really young girl. Um, but really it was a whole other level in my, my spiritual journey because it took a lot of courage, obviously, to go out into the jungle yeah. or into the for, uh, desert, rather. Desert, yeah. Uh, into the desert, yeah. It was it was what is referred to as a vision quest. And at that time, I had a lot of um, physical issues, but I also had a lot of emotional issues. I had been in a very abusive relationship, and um, often we know that if we're attracting abuse in our life, it's because there's been abuse inside, you know, there's abuse living in us. And then we attracted and manifested externally. And I was basically at that point left for dead in a hotel room. Mm. And it was very life-changing because I knew that if I didn't do something drastic, something extreme, that I would never have the life that I was destined to live, that I needed to really go deep and peel back the layers. Um, I, I knew that I was in there, you know, there's nothing really could, to Could heal. you feel at that time that you had, that you had a life that you were destined to live? You could feel that deep inside or was that kind of a mental, mental process or was it, a, was it something that you had felt all along? I mean, all through these terrible experiences with abuse and everything? Mm -hmm. Because many, many people witness that they, they, they don't really understand that they have this core 
life force, the life that they are supposed to actually be able to? Yeah, that's a great question, Anders. You know, personally, I'd had enough experiences up to that point to have understood that there is something there that Mm. that is powerful and that there is a mission and there is a purpose. But life beats us up. You know, there's that's there's a lot of trauma that occurs in life and everywhere we turn, there's a lot of trauma and we take it into our bodies and then we're not taught how to let it go. We're not taught how to release it. We're not taught, you know, we're taught how to brush our teeth and brush our hair, but we're not taught how to have an inner shower. You know, we have an outer shower, we cleanse our bodies, but, but we're really not taught how to cleanse internally. And there's an old saying that says the issues are in the tissues (laughs) and we really do take things into our bodies. Um, and that's a very real experience for me. So skipping Mm -hmm. ahead to the fast in the desert, it was an extraordinary experience, uh, an educational experience for me. I became like a scientist, you know, or what's known as a Rishi, like a spiritual Mm -hmm. scientist. And every day I would hang my enema bag from a tree and I would give myself an enema. And during this process, uh, um, so like a colonic your own, you know, anima, you, A-N-I-M-A. No? Uh, E-N-E-M-A. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Sorry. It cleanses out the colon. It cleanses out the colon, right? Uh. And so there's different enemas you can do. You can do wheatgrass enemas, water enemas, coffee enemas, and they all have a different effect in the body. But um, what happens in our digestive system is it gets really filled with um, the inability to assimilate vitamins and nutrients and all of the the macro and micro you know goodness that is accessible because we develop something in our colon called mucoid plaque and that mucoid plaque comes from iodized salt and you know uh, pharmaceuticals and basically excessive abuse of food and so we get this lining at the inside of our colon and it can be quite thick and it inhibits the ability to absorb those nutrients and through the colon into the bloodstream. And that's actually the most powerful way cancer patients and very, very ill people, they actually don't ingest through the, the GI tract through the mouth, they actually ingest through um, an enema or a colonic because it's the most bioavailable. However, if it's got this mu- um, mucoid plaque surrounding it, 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 you're not able to absorb. And this is mm. common for most people. It almost becomes like tar, black tar. Mm. So, when I first started the fast, I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to last three days. <laughs> you know, I thought, okay, 40 was the goal. And I, I, ha- I laughed every day. I thought there's no way, you know, we were saying 40, but there's, it's not going to happen. And then three days went by and suddenly I wasn't hungry. And yeah. so the teachings of the fast, the crucial okay, three days, huh? mm-hmm. they, they're the most difficult to get through and get over. It's like, yeah. we're, we're moving yeah. through our addiction. I did it food. for a week once. That's, that's, the only experience I have from fast. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, and, and how was it for you doing that? Well, week? it was like, like you say, after three days, you, you stop uh, feeling hungry. That's a very interesting experience. Mm-hmm. And then you sleep less, mm-hmm. you wake four o'clock, wake up four o'clock every morning, every morning, feeling just, uh, uh, you know, uh, very, very clear in your head. And uh, it's very, it's very interesting. You feel lighter and, and all that, but yeah. It, so mm-hmm. I guess I could have gone on for, for, for another week, but it gets boring in the end. And you, you, you want to... <laughs> it's amazing how much thing. time you have. Like, like, you have yeah, a tremendous you... amount of time. 
Yeah. <laughs> you don't realize how much time we spend, you know, shopping and cooking and preparing and cleaning food. It's, it's just exactly. amazing the amount of, yeah. of time it frees up. Yeah. So one of the things that occurred during the fast that was really fascinating is one of the premises of a really deep, good fast is that you won't be hungry until you've really cleansed and cleared what needs to be cleansed and cleared. Mm. So, the, so hunger literally won't return until your body says, okay, we're good. And so often because of our addiction to food, we won't do the duration of the fast to really get into the deep layers of toxicity, whether that be, you know, the harbor of heavy metals, you know, deep in our tissues. Um, and, and in, in our fat, we actually store a tremendous amount of toxins in our, in our fat cells. And so as we start to release fat, um, you know, we start to release emotions and things. And in the mucoid plaque, we also have a lot of emotions and memories. So as I was releasing, so I wasn't hungry, wasn't hungry, wasn't hungry. Then finally on the 39th day and, yeah. and believe me, Anders, <laughs> I never thought I would make it that far. Oh, it's I incredible. I can't believe it. Yeah. yeah, it was extraordinary. I had been meditating. I had been swimming in the ocean, um, you know, taking in the sun's light rays through my eyes and through my skin, um, you know, using earthing and the minerals in the earth around me you and did, the rocks. You did drink water, I hope. I drank water and it had some minerals in it, but I quickly realized that we're very in tune with nature and there's a lot of minerals available to us in our environment. So I did take them in until I, I became fine tuned enough to be able to recognize and to feel into where they were in my environment and how to access them within my environment. Um, you know, a lot of the stones and the rocks and the earth, you know, it's all right there available to us and good water, good fresh water as it moves through rocks um, and develops a vortex, it becomes very filled with life force and minerals. And then we're getting all of those trace minerals when we drink the water. So it's really just, you know, if we go back to nature, it's all there for us. Um, but yeah. we've become so removed from nature. So on the 39th day, I removed, I, I lose six feet of mucoid plaque. It was jet black in the shape of my colon. So, you know, like up and down like this, <laughs> six feet of it. Incredible. Can you imagine rock hard no. like rubber? <laughs> and as I released it, um, I was shaking. My whole body was shaking. And it was, and, and all the things that I had taken in and consumed mentally wow. and yeah. consumed emotionally started to be released. So, so every possible mental image that I had taken into that point started to come and flash up in my consciousness. And the, one of the first ones was an early, early memory of watching Poltergeist. I was six years old and it was on television. I had gone to bed and I crept down the stairs and I snuck around the corner and my grandfather was watching it. He'd fallen asleep in his recliner. And I sat there and I watched Poltergeist at six years old. Well, you can imagine the imagery that, that my consciousness took in. And what's yeah. powerful about that is by the time children are 12 years old, they have taken in 14,000 simulated murders on television. And the wow. brain doesn't Jeez. know the difference between what we see and what is actually real in reality. Mm. So mm. as far as the brain is concerned and the being and the consciousness and the psyche is concerned, you know, most of us have been exposed to a tremendous amount of negative content that really negatively programs us and negatively imprints on us. And then we take that into our body and into our tissues. And so mm. as I started to release this, this is 
I mean, it's one thing to hear something as a concept. I mean, it makes sense. But when you actually experience it as you're purging, not just purging mentally, but also emotionally, I felt hate. I felt rage. I felt anger. I felt resentment. I felt bitterness. I felt criticism. All these thieves of the heart, all the things that thieve us of our Mm -hmm. vitality and our life force and our power. You know, we give it away to these things because nothing, you know, nothing can can claim our power unless we give it permission. You know, we give it permission every single day, really unknowingly, because we don't realize how this imagery impacts us as really powerful bioenergetic beings. And, and did you so feel I like thought you could it, release these feelings at that point when you were doing this, you, you could actually they were they were kind of leaving your body. You were feeling you, you were feeling them, but they were at the same time leaving you. Was that the case? Well, you know what it's like to have, I mean, we all know what it's like to have a good cry. You know, it was like having a good cry and then a good scream and then Mm. shaking and then sadness, deep depression, anxiety, all of, and it was like reliving all of those things. Mm. Um, But very intensely, very potent because they were all being released at the same time. It was like my cells were kind of exploding. You know, it was very, very, very intense. Um, And it was scary. It was scary. Um, and I was alone. Um, I was being guided, but you know, I was way off on my own um, because you're intended to, to really be going through this on your own. So it was scary. Um, and I actually had my head buried in the sand and I didn't want to look up from the sand. Um, and, then, and then as I started to shake and purge emotionally, mentally, then I purged physically. And then afterwards, you can only imagine, I, I, it, I was exhausted. And I just sat there and just was, you know, in total awe of the experience, but I wasn't hungry. I thought, okay, you, you think I'd be done, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's sure. in layers, you know, it's in layers. And so after that, um, the 40th day came, and this is a very powerful number. And one of the reasons that Gabriel Cousins recommends a 40 day fast or that Jesus did the 40 day fast and why this number is so powerful is because it's a very transformative period of time where our whole body can replace everything on a cellular level as if we're a completely new being. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful. So on the 40th day, that's, you know, that's kind of, you know, the, the tipping point. Yeah. But the 40th day came and went for me. And I thought, oh boy, you know, am I ever going to eat again? You know, how much stuff have I got to get rid of here? And I was young. I was only 24 years old. I thought, oh my goodness, you know, how much are, you know, the people who are in their fifties and sixties have to purge. Um, And now on the 41st day, I had the second purge and it was another three feet of mucoid plaque. And it was like weeds, the deepest weeds, the dregs, the, the, the absolute bottom of the barrel got pulled. And when that happened, my eye color changed. The peace I felt was extraordinary. The connection with my environment, with the, with the animals and the plants around me, the consciousness shift was extreme. The, the desert came alive. You know, normally the desert looks like this dead inert place. It mm. came alive with life mm. that I literally wasn't capable of seeing before that. Hmm. and the and then i was hungry <laughs> i was really then you were hungry. hungry then you felt like a snickers bar <laughs> i actually the first thing i i thought of was a hamburger <laughs> oh really <laughs> <laughs> 
of course you would never eat something that after a fast you'd kill yourself the first thing sure. i had was um cantaloupe juice and it tasted like an orgasm i mean it was just like i mean <laughs> amazing. that's actually probably not the best way to put it but it tasted oh i can just i see what you mean extraordinary yeah. you know and my whole all of your senses are so alive but what's really valuable about that experience is you're really able to have a different relationship with food. And once you clear all those old things from your being, you're more intuitive and tuned in to what is right for you and what you need in that time, because you can feel it. You can ask your body and you get a resounding yes or a resounding no. So it completely changed my body, my mind, um, my spirit, and my connection with understanding that you know, I don't need to rely on food as my only source of nourishment. And so mm. now I still to this day have a very unique relationship with food and with, you know, vital force. I have a lot of people ask me, how do you do what you do? How do you have so much energy? <laughs> yeah. And not having any cravings uh, at all. Many people, I mean, they, they, they can work a lot, but they at, in the process, they need a lot of coffee or a lot of sugar. Mm. Or they need to eat things uh, or drink wine mm. or whatever, you know, they... Mm -hmm. need to uh, yeah to give themselves some treats once in a while in order to to be able to work hard but you don't you don't need that do you or you can just you can just well i'm still you... very human so i still like my treats <laughs> well you don't sound very human when you tell us about that story have you done anything uh, similar since then this is a couple of decades ago i guess so mm -hmm. anything not I, i guess not 41 days again but may, maybe you've you have fasted once in a while for a week or so or well you know what i did i mean is very unusual obviously mm. i'm aware of that this isn't something that most people are going to go and do most people don't a have the time and no. it's you know it's really intense um and i i would recommend everybody do something like that if they can at any point in their life it's life-changing i'd also recommend you know i would love it if everyone could just have a near-death experience and have that experience too But the takeaways from them, um, you know, are so brilliant that you don't have to do do it so extreme. I mean, people, I think the week that you did is profound. You know, we don't have to go to the extremes to actually experience um, what I experienced. I think you can yeah. have it in in a micro cosmic kind of way in a smaller yeah. way and just do it more often. You know, I do encourage people. I love intermittent fasting giving the digestive tract a chance to have a break and also it creates space for breath because actually of all the things that we can do, the breath is the vital um, access point for maintaining high levels of well-being and being fully, fully nourished at a really deep level. And most of us have no idea how to breathe. Yeah, I know. I, I, I did that breath uh, practice that you were teaching on the one of your platforms the other day, and I actually fell in, into tears there <laughs> for a while. It was pretty profound. I wow, yeah. You touched upon so many interesting things here when you were talking about this experience. Mm -hmm. I want to come back to, to, to several of them, but uh, just to go back a little bit to, to the ayahuasca experience again, and you telling us that what you experienced on day 40 in the desert there that you felt that the desert came alive and you you, you could see mm -hmm. more profoundly what what reality was uh, mm -hmm. deep down we My call it a lifting is, of the veil you know yeah. you lift the veil yeah you mm -hmm. lift the veil and you see 
reality, what mm. reality really is, and this is just a, a, an interface. This is just a, actually a dream, what we think is the real world, the physical world and all that. But so the ayahuasca experience, I think um, people have different opinions about this, but you, you just tell me what you, what you feel when you hear this question. Do you think that it's something that, that most people that are interested in the spiritual doing a, a spiritual journey should do to try this ayahuasca experience in order to in a way get a shortcut to 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 um, accessing these other dimensions these other realms that you really want to get in touch with to be a fuller more whole person and be able to find your inner self or do you think that this is something that that some people many people or most people perhaps can uh, achieve by other means by maybe not fasting for 40 days in the in the desert but meditating deeply or what do i know some other forms i mean reaching the exact same state that you are looking for here mm. do you think mm. is, is a good, yeah, is a good I, think, I think i know what you're asking i mean the it's what is the intention you know what is yeah. the goal of what people are wanting to achieve um I do not recommend ayahuasca for very many people. Okay. Because it's, you know, it's not something that you can, you know, it's not a magic pill. And I think we live in a culture where, you know, we want everything to happen and we want it to happen yesterday. <laughs> you know? mm, yeah. And the evolution of consciousness and the spiritual journey is a process and it, it can actually do damage it can actually do a significant amount of damage to people who, um, you know, aren't mentally clearing the slate, who aren't physically clearing the slate, because there needs to be space. And this is not something that we are very good at, typically yeah. in our culture, is to create the space for the medicine to be received, you know. And so if we don't have the space, if we're really busy, if the mind is super full, um, then the experience is going to, the medicine will first have to clear the space. And that is very traumatic for people who aren't, you know, able to receive the medicine because the medicine yeah. by, by nature, and I'm, you know, I'm going to do my best because I'm not mother. I, uh, I'm not grandmother. I, uh, but my experience of her is that she wants to go right to the core of your being. Well, if you've been hiding which most people have been yeah. um, some aspects of themselves, or they've got skeletons in the closet, um, unresolved issues. The medicine can really help you tremendously to heal those things. But you, you know, you need to, to be in process first before coming there. So if someone's not a meditator, for example, or has never practiced meditation, I, I wouldn't encourage going to that. You know, it's like going to university before you've done kindergarten. Okay. You know, yeah. the medicine is very That's potent. A good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. But meditation um, and there's so much practice, of course, mm -hmm. uh, every day I take, I take it. I get up at four. So four, three thirty-four is the magic oh. hour. Okay. Yeah. And um, that's, you know, when, when we're naturally, you know, in our, in my biorhythm and I'll speak for myself. And I, I find that most people who get really connected with their natural biorhythms, when we clear the vessel, when we mm. become very clear channels to receive energy and we don't have a lot of things bringing our energy down or making us tired or lethargic, then our natural instinct is to get up at that time because we run on a certain circadian rhythm. And so, you know, I'm a very, you know, 
uh, free within my space, but very structured within when I eat um, to really serve my vessel, the body vessel in the best way that I can, because certain organs, um, and this is a Chinese medicine um, philosophy and, and actuality, um, in my experience, is that in certain windows of time, different organs are active. So there's actually certain times of day where it's important to say eat, certain times of day where it's important to eliminate, and where the body's just naturally supported by those organs that are active within that um, rhythm within that okay. time frame. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I try to meditate every morning as well, but we're not talking about four o'clock. <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> a lot later, but it has to be in the morning anyway. I think it's very difficult to to have a good meditation in the afternoon when you your mind has been so busy for so many hours. It's very mm -hmm. difficult to. Well, the breath that the breath calm. that you um, experienced in the Thrive Tribes Academy course, this yeah. breath is a shortcut. So there are shortcuts. And breath is a good one. Breath, if, mm. if there's anything that I encourage people to do, um, definitely shifting the diet, but this, we all know that. We all know that we need to shift our diets, but it's really hard to shift the diet. Um, it becomes a matter of will. And mm. it's very difficult because all of these background players um, that are in the subconscious can be very, you know, they're like snakes in the grass. You know, we end up <laughs> falling flat on our face, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and going they back sneak to up the on scene, us. Well, and we, we, we make the same mistakes over and over and then we beat ourselves up and, mm. you know, it, it's very difficult to, to just through sheer will to make change in our lives. And so through the breath, the breath is the key. So to come full circle, ayahuasca, this, this medicine journey, um, it really helps you to connect in with your breath. And at okay. the end of the day, breath is a powerful way to really um, connect ourselves with the let's call it, you know, spirit world, the great spirit, God, consciousness, whatever you want to call it. It's, you know, the first thing that we're given when we're born, we take a big, deep breath, we're given that life force. Yeah. And it's the last thing we do, you know, when we leave our bodies. I know, our yeah. It's so a beautiful thing to think of. I mean, you, you people don't think about breath that way, but it's really profound when you think about it. It's, it's actually, it's actually life. It's, it's what's, I mean, physical life is breathing. <laughs> really mm -hmm. as you, say. you can tell a lot about a person or yourself you know after some study and observation about where you're at through your breath the breath mm. is very re revealing my father used to say you can tell a lot about a person by their shoes <laughs> so i always <laughs> used to look at people's shoes well that's another now, shortcut yeah, <laughs> yeah and now you know we can tell a lot about about people through their breath because the breath doesn't lie you know mm. we can the nature of the breath and very quickly through the breath, we can change our state. So it's free. It's always with us. And it's extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. So for those that are new to breathwork or have studied breathwork for a while, um, of all of my thrive hacks, as I call them, um, thrive hacks, things that help us to thrive, you know, quickly that we can, you know, take into our life and put into practice right away. The breath is definitely one of them. And it doesn't need to be a big practice. I think, you know, for, for me, just people just starting you know, just incorporating a practice into their life and having a morning daily practice is life-changing that yeah. you do every single day is absolutely the game changer for all of my clients, all of them that incorporate a morning ritual that aligns with their dreams and their goals. And 
really align is the right word. You know, who do we want to be and what do we, what and who do we want to align with? And then we, you know, the clearer the vessel, the more that we can manifest and attract those things into our life without the lag time. You know, mm -hmm. after fasting, we, we were able to manifest much more powerfully and much more quickly. So if we want to achieve something in our life, you know, we're taught to do more you know, work harder. And it's mm. very counterintuitive to actually pull back and do less and be more. Because when we when we open up that space to create, there's so much space, you know, we're 99.9% .9 space inside of our bodies for a oh, even more space. I think it's just I think I mean, even more. <laughs> it's yeah. just energy. It's, there's, there's, there's nothing there, really. We're just Yeah, more or less yeah. dense conglomerations of energy fields yeah so so in mind tribe which is one of our tribes in thrive tribes the the platform and ecosystem for transformation mm -hmm. um this was downloaded to me in meditation you mm. know so it's it's amazing too what can you know sort of come through come down um you know when yeah. we're accessing the higher realms of I divine totally agree. I and intelligence. You sound, sound like Eckhart Tolle there. He talks about these things. And, and, and it's, I mean, it's true. It's if when you experience it, start experiencing it, you, you realize it's it's actually very, very true. And mm -hmm. as you say, doing less means that you what you do is has, has a higher quality. And and you spend mm -hmm. so much energy, so much time uh, all uh, when you don't when you don't have this mindset that, that we are talking about now, you spend so much time and energy worrying about things that might happen or you worry about things that you did that you think you might have hurt somebody or so which are not true which are just ghosts in your mind so to speak so and it's just pointless really it takes so much energy you don't realize that they're not true you think you you're so busy but most of your business mm -hmm. is just you pondering over things that aren't real so you actually have a lot yeah. more time. The, the key of meditation, I think I've taught meditation for many years and most people come to meditation thinking that this is about clearing their mind. And that's a very, very small aspect of it. But really what I like to, you know, sort of shift the script for people about what meditation can do for them in their life is that when we start to empty the mind and this is why they you know you hear monkey mind because as you're emptying yeah. you you know just like I did in the desert you have to start you're releasing and emptying the cup and as we empty the cup and the more that we can maintain a clear canvas an empty canvas you know an empty cup so to speak that's not filled to the brim with information and emotions and ideas and worries and but just filled because most of us our cups are very very filled and mm. when we begin to empty that cup then that canvas becomes an open slate of pure potentiality and and that pure potentiality is very 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 potent it's very potent when it's not diluted by all of these other distractions. Yeah. And when we're, and we're very addicted to distraction. And so when we're constantly distracted, you know, emptying the cup feels like a very arduous, difficult task. Yeah. So that's why we start slow. You know, we start with five minutes here and five minutes and we just get used to um, getting into this, what we call the seat of the soul, which is the whole body becomes like a basin it becomes a mm. container and that okay. fills with life force it fills with breath it fills with pure potentiality and that's when we get really clear with our visualization 
very clear with our feeling. And then we can attract and draw the things into that vessel that we want to have into our lives. And we're very creative beings. We're highly, highly co-creative beings working with our source power, but we can only do that from a place of that seat of the soul and that vessel and that opening mm. to receive what it is that we're calling in through our intention. And that intention must be very clear and we must know what we want and then feel it and then invite it to come into the space for that manifest manifestation to occur. And when we get to this place, I've heard people say it's, it's remarkable the time that it used to take to you know, quote unquote, make something happen. There's no force anymore. We come from a place of pure power. There's no force. It is like bees to honey. You know, it's a completely different way of operating in the world, but it's really yeah. who we really are. It's our divine yeah. birthright, which is our ability to create the life that we want and to remember how powerful we are and that we have that ability because we have amnesia because of these veils and, and ayahuasca is one tool that can help us do that. Um, but, but it is one that I really encourage people to be, unless they're fa quite far along the spiritual path, I, I caution people, you know, greatly, um, unless they, you know, yeah, can work through a couple months of preparation. Probably a wise, a wise thing. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Uh, we dive directly into the deepest of the deep things here. And before we leave those, uh, I really want you to tell us a little bit about your near-death experiences, because I mean, talking about the, the experience in the desert, which was probably a very pivotal, pivotal, sorry, uh, mm -hmm. experience. Those must have been really, really profound as well. What happened and, and, and how did you, <laughs> how did they change you and I mean, <laughs> They're, they're big stories. Um, they're big stories. You know, I've, I've had three. Um, you had three? I thought I've it was had two. three. Okay. Well, I had two where I, where I flatlined um, when I was in a coma. And the other one, um, I, my heart stopped twice. And so, you know, those are the two that were quite physically intense. And then the other one, um, you know, I didn't flatline or there was no deep, you know, trauma physically, but I also um, crossed into another, you know, realm, another dimension, so to speak. And that fluidity that I've been offered, you know, um, I, I was offered it at a young age. So it's part of my soul mission to understand, mm. you know, and to befriend death to know that it doesn't exist, you know, mm. and to, to be able to speak into that and to live into that, um, you know, it really is an illusion, you know, and it's, you know, for me, uh, the greatest encouragement and greatest wish I have for humanity is to, you know, if we can, if everyone can really understand that there's no such thing as death, you know, then oh, we can more- that would change so much. It was, yeah. it was wonderful, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we really, um, stop living many, many people, you know, it's, it's, it, it can be very heartbreaking, you know, from just a purely human perspective, how many people live in fear um, of living, they stop living because they're so afraid of dying. And I and know that's the paradox. Irony, you know? <laughs> I have a friend, actually, I think, I, yeah, I told about this in one of my solo shows there. He uh, it was my best friend for many years when I was young. And then years later, we hadn't had contact for, for a couple of decades he committed suicide and he did this because he i know i knew so much about him that he was he, he had this anxiety he has this had this angst and he was so afraid of dying he was so afraid of death 
all his life and it was so infringing. So eventually he couldn't, he couldn't bear it. He couldn't stand it. So he, he, he committed suicide. And isn't that the, the greatest paradox of all? Mm, truly. So afraid of dying that you, that you take your own life. So it's really, really tragic. But uh, I guess that was his, uh, his experience. He, want, he, he probably needed that experience. His soul needed that experience for some reason. You, know, you never mm, know. Mm, mm, probably he knows now. But. Well, when we're so not connected with life force, life is very unbearable, you know, because we, we end up, you know, really drowning in a world that um, where we don't get to access any of the mm. things that we've come here to explore. You know, um, and, and so it can be, I, you know, I, I have a deep compassion um, and I do thrive tribes. Our movement is really about accessing our human potential and in the different sectors of life, whether that be, you know, in your case with with the mind, you know, really understanding how powerful we are and the power of the mind to create our own reality. I mean, it really is potent. And so through your show, people can really start to understand how to do that, which is such a gift you know, we also can access things through the, the portal of the heart, you know, through love. Um, we can also access through, I mean, entrepreneurship is actually another lane, you know, we call that boss tribe and through boss tribe, you know, it's, it's an act of service. Um, the change makers out there who are creating businesses to make change, um, you know, that's another portal to access life force and to, mm -hmm. and, and to be in service. And right now we're at a very critical tipping point in history where people are being called to give their pain, you know, to give their gifts, to give whatever it is that they've accumulated up to this point. We're at a, a very powerful threshold right now. And so people are going to feel that stirring, you know, and they might not know what it is, but they're feeling called to your show or they're being, you know, called to ways where they can start to awaken within and start to tap into that deeper meaning that makes life so beautiful despite its tragedies. Because every day we wake up, life is going to throw so much at us. You know, it's going to, you know, for example, I have people say to me, gosh, your near-death experiences, that must have been so awful. You know, there's so much pain and so many years of, of struggle and losing, you know, not being able to work and go to school and losing your mm. health and a lot of loss and a lot of grief. And absolutely, it was, you know, I've, I've spent many times on the floor in my life feeling like I needed, you know, the forklift to pick me up off the ground, the cosmic forklift. But sometimes mm. life brings us to our knees, you know, so that we can really remember who we are and it takes a great humility actually mm. to be yeah. human and some of the most powerful people i know some of the most powerful you know spiritual masters the most powerful you know business masters um you know people who are really good in any realm of life these are the people that are actually the most humble because they realize that the more that they know, the less they know, and really that we're not the doers, you know, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience, you know, ultimately, we're spiritual beings having having a human experience. And exactly. so every breath that we take, and everything that we do in life is such a gift to just even be able to breathe and to experience it. And when it's painful, you know, we're conditioned through our reptilian brain to, you know, move as far away from pain as we possibly can and to lean into pleasure. But then we're really missing half of life. Mm. And this yeah. is not something our cultures or, or typically any teachers or anyone teaches. 
And it really is a vital part of life because right now we're getting a lot of pain thrown at us and we don't have the tools, you know, to deal with that pain and to lean into it because the pain has a lot to teach us. And actually, Mm. you know, it's, it's very challenging to think, well, why is there so much trauma or why is there so much evil or, or negative dark things? And when we can shift our perspective um, and shift the mind, mind shift, you know, it can give us the ability to reframe our ability to find peace and presence in every moment, whether it's pain or pleasure. And that really is the human journey that can be very challenging, but is really what I encourage people to find mastery in. And that's a journey that's different for everyone. For me, it was the cosmic two by four multiple times over and over and over to understand the blessing that is life and that, you know, my relationship Mm. with source, but we all have something that's trying to speak to us. And typically it comes at us again and again and again, and it keeps knocking on our door until we open the door. And when we open the door, we can receive the gift and then we can move through it to the other side. And really, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. And so it's like the chicken or the egg. You know, what do we do first? Do we change our eating? And then that's going to change our life. Or do we change our life from the inside? And then that'll change our eating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Wayne Dyer, I love him. He's one of my amazing mentors. And uh, he's a dear brother. And he always said, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. And the yeah. only way we can do that is through the power of the mind and to go into the inner space and to begin to create from there, understanding deeply the quantum science yeah. that tells us that we have the ability to influence our outer world through that yes. inner space. And when we get that, then this whole planet will yeah. shift into an entirely different way of living working, being, and raising our children. And that is the call right now. That is the call that all of us are receiving right now is the call to remember who we are, to lift the veil and then start to recreate the future. Mm -hmm. We are powerful and we are united. We are, we, we all, we're all together in this and we are, we are all one, actually. We're all part of the unified field, I think, I believe. So yeah, what you're saying is really, really beautiful. You have touched on upon to, to to get a little bit more concrete now. You have touched upon um, these uh, creations that you have created, <laughs> these entities you have created now. The the Thrive Tribes. You have something you call the Thrive Tribes Global, and it's a movement, but it's also what you might call an ecosystem. Different tribes for different purposes. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the purpose of this is and what's what's happening with this? Mm-hmm. Thank you. So Thrive Tribes Global is a global movement for transformation and change. It is actually an ecosystem. So you said it just, that's exactly what it is. It's an ecosystem and it's, it's almost like an ascension process. And it starts... Um, you know, at, at an entry level for any tribe. So that could be an entry level at Truth Tribe, where we start to understand the nature of some of the things that are going on externally in the world and start to understand what that means. And Truth Tribe is a lane that a lot of people get into because they start to, you know, question what's happening in the outer world. 
and they want to make change, but a big part of making change is understanding the problem first. <laughs> a lot of us don't want to look at the problem, but we need to understand the problem in order to create the solution. And then Freedom Tribe is really about um, maintaining our sovereignty, maintaining our freedom as human beings, understanding common law and our common law rights um, and our birthrights as human beings. And that's a very powerful movement right now. It's building very, very strongly. Uh, a lot of people don't actually even realize that we're in chains. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of education that happens there. And we just, it's just an invitation for people to join the tribe that they feel most compelled to join right now, but they're all interconnected. You know, ultimately they're one tribe. And that is the, the hub at the center um, that connects all of the tribes. But the purpose of it is that each tribe, each sector um, works on an aspect of humanity that needs to be elevated. So Wealth Tribe, for example, we work on helping people with their abundance blocks. We help people with being able to understand the new economy, the shift into digital assets, um, the importance of connecting in with gold and silver as assets, particularly right now, and really understanding the head of the beast, which is the current financial system and how corrupt it is um, and, and how enslaving it is. Uh, and when you understand and start to really put the pieces together, you know, Wealth Tribe really fits with health tribe because of yeah. and freedom tribe because when we start to understand our personal sovereignty whether it be our our soul sovereignty okay which is soul tribe okay that's the woo woo tribe <laughs> that's mm -hmm. for all of the people that want to dive into consciousness and and soul deep soul practices but for example as people start to wake up and understand that the current system is very corrupt and they're simultaneously maybe in soul tribe and health tribe they can put the pieces together that what we consume in our bodies really has a lot to do with what we create externally, the abundance that we create in our life, the people, the business opportunities in boss tribe, which is our entrepreneurs tribe. And people start to make connections and then get onto the platform. So when people get onto the platform, they have the opportunity to then bring their own business, their own ideas, their own platforms, and to share them within that co-creative, collaborative, you know, powerful, connected community, and to essentially, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants and to get the message out there more quickly to help the world to thrive and to shift at an accelerated pace, because then everyone is working together. So people really need to find their Thrive Tribe first, deep dive into that Thrive Tribe, most people have two or three. Um, oftentimes, people who love health tribe are an eco tribe because, again, they understand that we need to be eating good food, which means we need to have clean soil. We need to have, you know, food that is non-GMO. We need to have access to quality seeds. We need to have, you know, a, a certain way of taking care of our food supply that's local. And, you know, there's a lot of permaculture. And so people just, so there's a lot of crossover between those sister tribes. But as they all work together and people are called to the round table, Anders, because it really mm. is a call at this yeah, point. Yeah, but just, just, to, just to, to explain, table. yeah, uh, to explain for the audience a little bit uh, uh, more here what how, how can people access these these tribes what's uh, practically what is it mm -hmm. is it on social media platforms or where where can where can people find these well we're everywhere you know we're we're <laughs> ubiquitous at this point we're like growing yeah. like wildfire um so we have a podcast called thrive tribes tv so that's a really great place to access and keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening right now currently and we've just started 
So it's in its infancy, it's in its genesis, but it, but it's expanding very, very quickly because so many people are connecting in with the need to transform and make change and focus on the solutions rather than the problems. Mm-hmm. But people can find us definitely on the podcast and Thrive Tribes Global is the hub for all of the tribes. And that can be found on Instagram, that can be found on Facebook. So you can you know find Thrive Tribes Global on all the major platforms. And if you just actually enter in Thrive Tribes into any social platform, all the tribes will pop up and people okay. can then go and um, you know Perfect. like and follow and get involved in any of the tribes. We also have a Thrive Solutions Hub. Yeah. And this is a really, really powerful portal for people to be able to actively, I mean, I think the problem that we're solving is people get up every day and they wanna make a difference. You know, especially people I find right now who have kids or grandchildren, or they just feel this burning desire to get out of bed and make a meaningful impact. You know, they want to be a part of a tribe and part of a community that is out there and actually shifting the needle and actually making an impact at a really exciting scale um, in every sector of life. And so the call is to people to wake up out of bed and go, I'm a part of something and I can move the needle. And one person can make a difference when we all come mm. together this way. Yeah, and it can be empowering and wonderful to realize that you're not alone in your in your thoughts about these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we also, you know, if people want to, um, there's a three-part video series that's that's completely accessible. It's at jayonafray.com. Maybe you want to put it in your show notes, but it's J-A-I. O-N-O-F-R-E-Y.com and people can um, opt in to get the three-part video series and that's a really nice way to kind of come into the community and um, get the the weekly emails that we offer and we also have a Thrive Tribes Council so for if you've got listeners that are really hardcore (laughs) and they're really resonating with this then they can contact me through any of the social media channels and our team. Um, we have moderators that we're building out for each of the teams, leaders, um, multiple leaders, you know, people who are really passionate about the environment, passionate about the economy, passionate about health. And then we start to get leaders in those fields and bringing their own platforms to the directory. So in a very short while, we'll have a global directory on the website, which is thrivetribes.com, where people will be, will be able to access the global directory for the top businesses, courses, services, and products that help us to create a thriving planet. And that'll be um, divided down into each of the sectors. So it's a, it's a beast. It's, <laughs> it's a, a beast, beautiful it's a beautiful beast. beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not beauty and the it beast, was, it's a yeah. beautiful beast, yeah. Yeah, and it's not something that, you know, you mentioned, you know, as if it was mine. And I, I really have to say this, um, Anders, and I really, first of all, appreciate you for asking and for clarifying, but it really doesn't belong to me. And I was very clear um, when it came to me and it was downloaded, it was like a grid. And it was, it, I was told through this, um, you know, very powerful visual because I'm very open to receiving information. And when it came in, it came in like a lightning bolt. It was so powerful and it was about there had to be 12 tribes, not that there couldn't be sub tribes, you know, that develop over time, but 12 core tribes to make up the 12 major aspects of life with one tribe at the center and that it was going to require unity in community and um, an amazing group of enlightened entrepreneurs, change makers, healers, um, parents, grandparents, you know, anyone that wants to see a shift for our future now 
to make the change start happening now, that's the call. And for anyone that, that wants to get more deeply involved, um, we also have a course and it's a very, very um, entry-level course. We wanted to make it available for everyone. And um, that can be also accessed through any of our social media. And that's called Moving from Survive to Thrive. So we've got a little bit for everyone. Um, and I really want people to, to understand that this is a living, breathing ecosystem mm. um, that, like I said, I haven't claimed as mine, that really belongs, I believe, to the people. Because the, the shift now is from us against them to we and what's in it for me and competition to cooperation and community and connection, all the co-factors, I call them the collaboration. And it's a big shift in paradigm is that we really are starting to work together and to move together and support each other and to continue to make sure that we totally and completely take care of our planet and take care of the people moving away from corporate structures um, that really rape and pillage the planet and the people um, based in greed. And we move mm. into systems and paradigms and ways of being that support people and planet. And that we actually need very, very little to make that shift. There should never be kids starving on this planet. We live on a very abundant planet. And I believe this time happening right now is so powerful because what it's doing is it's bringing to the surface and revealing where we need to course correct and where we've gone wrong. So yeah, now we I have the opportunity. I just wanted to ask, ask, ask that as, as a final question, which I just apologize that it's a, such a big question, but <laughs> uh, after having explained all of this, this eco ecosystem and what you want to do, what you want to achieve here, um, all of us coming together for a better world, do you think, do you believe that this time that we're living in now is a crucial time? Because, I mean, this is something that people have been saying on Earth uh, several times throughout history, as you know, but there is something special about this time, isn't it? And, and, and if, that, if you think so, then why? Why is that? That's such a great question, Anders. It's, it is the question. You know, yeah. Einstein said that we choose that we either live in a hostile universe or we live in a friendly universe. And it's pretty easy to look outside our window right now and feel that we live in a hostile universe, isn't it? So, well, you know, talking about the pandemic, I guess. Yeah, well, everything. I mean, everywhere everything. you turn, you know, it's it, it kind of feels like the sky well, is that's falling. Also, that's you know? also a, a mindset thing. <laughs> Absolutely. But I would say the majority of people, they, you know, um, this is how how the outside world looks to them at the moment. And, and at that yeah. appearances, if we're just talking appearances, you know, the world does appear to be falling apart. But there's an old saying that I used to teach when I taught my meditation classes is that sometimes just when everything is falling apart or just when it seems like nothing is happening, that's when everything is happening. Yeah, you know, and yeah. right now, that's, that's very wise. Yeah, that's true. We're going into the eye of the storm. Actually, we're at a very, very, very powerful pivotal point. It's a tremendous transformation of humanity. It's a tremendous opportunity. And it can be very difficult to look at it this way. Um, but with the proper intel, which all of us have access to through creating space, through our practices of clearing the vessel and opening the channel to receive. That's right. We go within. This yeah. information is, is universal. It's accessible to everyone. And when we tap in with that, 
we can suddenly have the ability to completely reframe what is happening right now and understand that because we're moving into a completely elevated consciousness, humanity, and it's it, everyone's moving together and it may not feel like that, but because we're all moving together, the weeds have to get pulled, right? Old paradigms, old systems, old institutions, they just don't make the shift. And so at the same time that we're birthing new systems, that we're birthing new ideas and innovations, um, we're also having to learn to let go of what's not serving us anymore because humanity is just not there anymore. And we really will never go back to the way that we've been doing things and living and seeing things. We're about to see the veil this year, 2020, which we call 2020 vision. Mm -hmm. 2020 vision is all about that which has been hidden being revealed and we're seeing that aren't we we're seeing that at every turn yeah every we're second. seeing a lot of revelations but I, I hear also that this is i mean people are saying different things but generally people are talking about this these years around 2020 and a couple of more years as pivotal and there's something mm -hmm. happening with but mm -hmm. I, I think as you say that this is this is obvious when you look at it and i think maybe we have to wait couple of more years to for it to be more obvious and and for for things to fall apart but i i think also i think as you say that we will see governments governments crumble and systems crumble many of the maybe the money system uh, maybe who knows what's going to oh, happen oh definitely the money system. i just think it's very There's interesting no doubt about that. <laughs> you don't have to be afraid it's just i mean as long as people are living on this planet and uh, living and loving and doing their things uh, it's all going to be fine well, it's hap It's inevitable. And, you know, we can be active participants in it. And, you know, my freedom tribe, they're very active on the front lines. My truth tribe, they're very active on the front lines. Soul tribe is all about it being an inside job. Kind tribe is all about just random acts of kindness. Let's just care for each other and be good humans. And so we really have to settle into, you know, where we want to be and ask ourselves, are we experiencing the life that we want to experience? And if not, why not? Because we get to choose. And that is the wonderful thing about being human is we, we get to choose yeah, and we, we get to, to, we have free will and we get to say, okay, what am I going to subscribe to? And what am I going to let into my world? And if it's not what I want to be living, then how can I change the channel? And each tribe works like a channel. You know, each tribe is very much its own universe, its own channel. And if people's natural inclination right now is to breathe, then, then, you know, find your breath tribe, whether that's you know, the Thrive Tribe's breath tribe, which obviously we would love, but any breath tribe, if that resonates with you, you know, if you yeah. feel that, um, I think too, it's that withdrawal from the outer world that we, we need to call on for each other. All of us need to, you know, focus at home and make the change at home, make the change first to ourselves before we can change anything outside of ourselves. So right now my focus is just being with my three children, you know, caring for my husband, caring for my home, making good meals, you know, walking in nature and just really keeping things simple and being very mindful at what I allow myself to consume. Because of course I've been shown that that's very important and impactful. You know, mm. what are we eating? What are we watching? What are we listening to? Because that is what we are taking into our consciousness and then our consciousness recreates it. 
So we'd be very vigilant and very disciplined at what we allow in. And that's conversations, that's friends, uh, it's everything. So that's yeah. a that's a discipline that I really encourage people to take. Um, and it's life-changing as well. But we have to be get really, really good at saying yes to the inner yes and be really okay with saying no to a lot of things that are not going to serve us in, in um, elevating. Because at the yeah. end of the day, if we elevate ourselves, then, then that stuff starts to fall away and no longer is a part of our reality, our personal realities. And as we more and more and more of us have that as a personal reality, the more we'll start to see it as a collective reality. And we're already seeing that. It's quite tremendous. I mean, the fact that we live at this day and age and we have front row seats to perhaps one of the most extraordinary transitions in human history is really something. And we've all been called here at this time mm. to participate, not to observe. We've actually been called to participate. Yeah. So it's right gonna be, now, it's gonna be a ride. <laughs> right now we all get to go, okay, how do I want to participate? You know, what yeah. role am I gonna play in this extraordinary time in history? And um, of course, my call is to call all change makers. If you feel compelled to make change and to make transformation both in your personal life and in the globe and the planet as a whole, then it's the Thrivolution. The Thrivolution is here. We, we yeah. lovingly call it the Thrivolution and, and it is here. It's now. Jay, fantastic. This has been wonderful. And you were mentioning your family there. Right now, my family is just uh, getting back home. So we need to cook some food here. So uh, unfortunately, we, we, we have to wrap it up around here. But uh, you have mentioned where people can find your, thri your Thrive Tribes, the Thrive Tribes global ecosystem and all that. So mm -hmm. thank you so, so much for being a guest on my podcast here. Uh, Jay, Anna Free, and good luck. Extremely much good luck with your, with your um, uh, commendable project here. Thank you so much, Anders. I know that you're a deep part of the, the fabric and that you're a brother. And uh, I'd just like to say a, a final prayer to all those listening and to you, my friend. May we rise and thrive together.